It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. This is Up and to the Right for the 47th week of 2016. This week, we'll be talking about balance sheet basics. As a non-accountant business owner, how do you get value out of the balance sheet? The first of a three-part series on reading, understanding, and getting the most out of basic financial statements, balance sheet basics will cover, you guessed it, the balance sheet. We're going to look at what you, the business owner, can get out of it to improve your operation. Welcome to Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast bringing you the art and science of business. This is where we cover things that matter to small business owners, startups, and people interested in becoming entrepreneurs. We talk about increasing revenue, not buzzwords, decreasing costs, not short-term trends, good operating practices, not theories. This is about sound business principles and how to apply them in your individual business situation. So some news this week, I'm very happy to announce that uh, Up and to the Right is now available uh, on iTunes, which we were available on before, uh, but we're now on also Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, and Google Play as well. So if you use those applications or you prefer them over iTunes, uh, we now have more options for you to listen. So I told you last week that we'd be getting into some more, quote, businessy topics uh, and move kind of away from strictly technical uh, or techie topics. And the first thing I wanted to cover is basic financial statements. Um, and so what we're going to do today is talk about what the balance sheet is and how to get some value out of it. And so we'll cover, what, what well, what we're not going to cover is the history of double entry accounting or every single interpretation or or uh, extrapolation that can be drawn from a balance sheet. We're going to talk about good value that you can get out of it that makes, uh, that makes sense and you can act on to make a difference in your organization. Um, there are certainly going to be other things that you could dig into and, and draw from a balance sheet. And, you know, I would certainly encourage business owners to take those next steps if, if they are interested, but there are some basic things that as business owners, we need to be looking at on a regular basis. And so what I want to get through is, uh, let's get through the lingo. Let's, let's not overcomplicate things and let's talk about what does that mean? What do I need to look at as the business owner? Now I have to be clear here. There are a few definitions that we're going to have to talk about uh, because they're going to be on the balance sheet that you get from your accountant. So if you if you look at a balance sheet, there are going to be terms on there that we need to understand. And so we'll go through those and I'll explain um, uh, what those mean and and we'll move forward from there. but we do we do need to talk about a few a few simple um, uh, or a few basic accounting terms and we'll we'll cover those. So the easiest thing to do here is if you can get a copy of your own balance sheet to go through, then you'll have something to look at. Oh, excuse me. There are um, sample balance sheets uh, very readily available on the web, and uh, I'll link to some resources for those in the show notes for this episode if you do need uh, uh, some examples. And... Uh, some places where you can get those, like I said, you can get them from your accounting system. If you have uh, an accounting system that you have access to that you use regularly, just go to the reports section and, and pull up a balance sheet. Uh, 
And it doesn't really matter what period it's from, a uh, period being a month or a year or a quarter. Uh, it just needs to represent uh, your business or, or uh, be a complete period. So I wouldn't use, um, for example, it's uh, November 22nd today. I wouldn't use a November balance sheet. Um, I would go back and, and maybe use a, a one with a full month. Although, uh, I guess to be fair, a balance sheet is a snapshot. So you could actually, you know, you could take today's balance sheet and it would be okay. Uh, so, uh, so you can get one from your accounting system. If you don't have direct access to your accounting system, um, if that's something that you have an accountant that takes care of, uh, your, you can certainly contact your accountant and get a copy. And, uh, then you can also, uh, look if, if you want to, you can look at uh, any stock on the web that is, or any stock that is traded will have. Uh, financial reports, including a balance sheet that have to be submitted to the Securities Exchange Commission. Their numbers may not be the same as yours because they're going to have, obviously, they may be in millions and billions versus what uh, small business owners might be used to. And uh, they may have entries that I'm not going to talk about that are for more complicated accounting situations, which I don't think apply to most uh, small business owners. So, but you can, everything I talk about will be on a publicly traded balance sheet. It's just that they may have extra things that I'm not going to discuss. So why, as a business owner, why would you re review a balance sheet in the first place? Well, uh, Peter Drecker is often credited with saying, what gets measured gets managed. Um, after doing some research, it looks like uh, people in science uh, knew this a lot, lo lot longer than business people. But from a business perspective, uh, Peter Drucker is credited with that. And, and it's really true. If you don't know something, you can't make a change to it. So if I don't know that I'm running low on cash, or I don't know that I have a tremendous amount of debt compared to uh, the amount of, of other financing sources that I'm using, then I can't make changes to my business to improve that, that situation. So the balance sheet provides us some insight into real performance of our businesses. Um, and the numbers don't lie, even if we'd rather that they did. Uh, so sometimes you have to take, take that data and um, it can be a lesson in humility when you realize that there are things that you need to change. But it's important if you want your business to survive, to understand those things and make those changes. And so what we're going to do today is, is figure out what we can learn from a balance sheet and uh, what the, what the uh, terms mean and how we can apply those uh, in our business or in terms of how we can interpret them and say, okay, I need to change this thing to improve my outcome. So the balance sheet is simply a widely accepted report that shows three things. It shows what a business owns and what, what they call that on the balance sheet is an asset. It shows what the business owes and in accounting lingo that is our liabilities. And it shows the amount of ownership value or what we call equity in the company. And that's all it does. And it shows what we own, 
what we owe, and the value of the organization to the business owner. And so it's actually not a terribly complicated report in its basic principles. It's, it is those three things. It's always uh, those three things uh, for a small business. There are, um, like I said, there can be additional things in a larger company. And if you're going through this and you've downloaded uh, the uh, uh, balance sheet for Agilent or another large company, uh, you may see things on that that we're not going to cover. But in principle, those three things will be what's on it in, in as categories. So when we talk about those those three things, the first thing is what the business owns or our assets. And there are two kinds of assets that you'll find on a balance sheet. And this may depend on your uh, business type, but typically you'll find either a uh, or you'll find both current assets, and I'll talk about them in a second, and fixed assets. And so what we look at when we talk about a current asset, a current asset is just something that can be turned into cash in less than a year, basically. If it's cash, obviously it can be turned into cash in less than a year. Typically things like money that is owed to you by customers if you sold something on credit that can is typically considered uh, a current asset because we expect them to pay within a year um, the the accounting language for that is called accounts receivable so the account being the business that owes you money and receivable means that we're going to receive it so an account receivable means that it's money that's owed to our business by our customer and another current asset might be inventory. So if you're a uh, business that buys and resells products, uh, uh, for example, a, a scuba retail shop, or um, or if you want to think big box stores, the Best Buys, the Walmarts, they all have product that they have purchased from someone else that they're going to sell. And what they have on their sh on their store shelves is inventory. And so uh, those four, those, uh, excuse me, those three things are basically the items that are current assets, cash, accounts receivable, or the money that's owed to us by customers and inventory, the stuff that we buy that we're going to sell to, to our customers. The other section that I discussed is, is fixed assets and fixed assets are basically big, big ticket, <laughs> big ticket items that you use in your business that are expected to last a long time. And very common uh, examples of these are vehicles, machinery. Uh, computers are often uh, in this category if they're high-end workstations, but computers have come down in price so much that sometimes they're expensed. But high-end workstations will typically qualify as uh, a fixed asset because we expect them uh, they may cost more than, uh, you know, $2,000 or $3,000, whatever um, the limit has is for your organization. And uh, we expect them to last a long time. And I'm not going to get into who chooses how, uh, what a fixed asset is and what's not today. But basically understand that they're expensive items that are expected to last a long time. So that covers what we own as a business. It's pretty simple. 
So now we talk about what we owe, things, money we owe to other organizations. And there are, uh, and we call these liabilities. And there are two kinds of liabilities. One is short-term liabilities, and then there's long-term liabilities. And when we look at those, you might imagine that if we go back to uh, our assets, the current asset was something that we would uh, be able to turn into cash within a, within a year. Well, a short-term liability is the same kind of thing. It's things that we expect to pay in less than a year. And there's really, for, for our intents and purposes uh, today, there's really only two that I would uh, that I'm going to talk about. One is accounts payable, so money that you owe to vendors. So if you order um, steel rod for uh, the assembly of your product, and you buy it, uh, you buy it from the steel rod manufacturer, and they have you uh, pay them within 30 days. If you haven't paid them yet, you owe them money, and that's an account payable, and that so that's money that you owe to vendors. And the other one is basically uh, if you have a credit card account that you are paying off on a regular basis. This is not a credit card that you hold a long-term balance on, uh, uh, which actually I would, uh, you'd have to talk to your, your accountant on how to classify that. But if, it's your, if you're not paying it off regularly, you may end up having to call that a long-term debt. So short-term accounts payable and credit cards that you pay off regularly, uh, items like that, something that you have you expect to pay in less than a year. A long-term liability is the converse of that. Startup loans uh, from a bank, uh, which typically can, can have a payout of several years or, or more, or an automobile loan, uh, something that you know is not going to get paid off within a year or whose terms are not designed to be paid off in a year. There's no reason you can't buy, uh, buy a truck and uh, make payments on it for six months. And then if you had a really great quarter, you could pay off that, that truck and own it outright. It would still have been classified as a long-term debt or a long-term liability um, in your accounting system. So the last thing that we talk about is, uh, is the equity in our organization. And equity is the... Uh, amount of value that the business owner has in the business. And mathematically, it should equal the total assets or everything the business owns minus the total liabilities or everything the business owes. So that makes sense, right? You take the total value of all of the, of the assets of the business and you subtract out everything that you would have to pay uh, uh, debt and uh, vendors, and that's that's what's left as your equity in the business or the amount uh, of value that that business has to you, and that uh, and and that includes money that you've put into the business that adds to equity. If you pull money out of a business, that reduces equity. If you take what is called a withdrawal, um, that will. Uh, reduce your equity in a business. So, all right, we've talked about the three components of a balance sheet and what goes into what what components that each of those has, and they are they make sense. So, what matters as a business owner? What do you really need to look at 
on the balance sheet uh, at the end of the month, whether you're preparing your finances yourself or whether your accountant prepares those for you and sends you an email or, or a paper package that, that has those included, what are you going to be looking at? Uh, well, the first thing you're going to look at is cash. And what, how much do you have? And do you have enough to get through hard times or what can be called a reserve? Uh, and are you care? And then the opposite of that, well, let's, before we go on, but I guess, uh, you need to have cash on hand. It needs to be enough, uh, for a reserve, which is completely arbitrary. That's totally up to you as a business owner. What is a good reserve? Um, and so you can say, okay, I want uh, three months of reserve or I want six months of reserve. And basically what that means is that I could stop getting income for this time period and I would be able to meet all of my financial obligations. I'd be able to pay my staff. I'd be able to pay my rent. I'd be able to uh, pay my vendors. And and that gets you the the runway, if you will, to get through a difficult time like the recession of 2008 where uh, business time uh, times got real hard for some businesses and uh, those that had cash reserves were able to weather it. Some that did not have cash reserves were not so fortunate. The opposite side of this, however, is that you could be carrying too much cash and uh, this is also a 100% judgment call. If you're carrying more cash than your reserve plus operating, uh, then uh, you know what? Uh, before we talk about that, I apologize. Um, we talked about the reserve being how much we needed to have on hand uh, in case times got tough. Um, the other piece of the cash that you should have on hand is enough to operate the business. And that means... Um, enough to pay your bills for the current month. And um, uh, so if you have to pay uh, your vendor for that steel rod and your rent uh, and all of that, you have that much cash in addition to what you might want as a reserve. So I'm sorry, I skipped that part. Um, that's very important. But if you're carrying more cash than your reserve plus operating cash, then you need to uh, potentially look into other financial instruments because that money is no longer working for you, which means that you can say, okay, uh, maybe I can put some of that money into uh, some kind of investments or something like that, uh, it, you know, it, uh, in terms of uh, money market accounts or, or other financial instruments. Or you might also look into investments or improvements that you can make into your business. So if you've been needing to re redo the parking lot and you have the cash in hand, maybe this is a good time to do that. Or maybe you could upgrade some piece of machinery or an oven or something along those lines. So those are things you need to consider when you're looking at cash. Do I have enough for hard times? Do I have enough to operate my business without uh, uh, putting off payment of vendors, etc.? Do I have too much cash? Should I be looking at putting some in the money market? Should I be looking at uh, purchasing additional uh, equipment or improved equipment that will make my business better, make my customer experience better? 
um, maybe now's the time if you've got the cash to improve your marketing efforts. So um, things to consider when, when you're looking at cash. Accounts receivable is the next thing that we would look at. And that's simply a question of are you getting paid? Are your customers paying you? Um, and this applies, obviously, accounts receivable implies that you are uh, getting paid based on uh, uh, or you're allowing customers credit, which means you're performing a service or delivering a product and then invoicing them and then they send you a check at some time in the future. Whether that's due upon receipt, that is still a credit sale because they did not pay for it at the time you delivered the product. So um, if you send an invoice to a customer and you, with the product or you do a service and give them an invoice, that is uh, a credit business model. And which is fine, but you need to understand how fast you're getting paid. Are you getting paid? And so uh, accounts receivable is very important, especially for small business owners. The next thing you should look at is are retained earnings uh, growing and positive? They should be if your business is healthy. And uh, you take all of these things and start comparing them year over year or month after month and doing a, a comparison over time and you should be doing uh, assuming you make your your graphs are, are uh, uh, time on the excess axis or, or the bottom axis of the graph and uh, value is on the y-axis you should have um, a graph that goes up and to the right so uh, for the most part uh, those comparisons are very helpful in giving you a, a quick look at uh, my cash reserve was uh, $1,000 this month and $10,000 the next month and $15,000 the next month and $2,000 the following month. And you can start to look at trends and, and then uh, make sure that the action that you're taking is getting you the results that you were hoping for. So if I take action in January and I'm looking at September and nothing has changed for that particular uh, number, let's say I haven't, uh, my cash reserve has not gone up uh, by the amount that I was hoping for, then uh, I need to review that and, and, and say, okay, I'm, I'm not getting the result I want. So what can I change about the process that I have to improve that result? So comparison is key. And uh, the last thing I want to talk about, and, and this, is what are called ratios. And what a ratio is, is simply a comparison of two numbers in business. And there are ratio numbers that have more than two numbers in them, but they ultimately compare two numbers. And it's one number divided by another number is a ratio. So these comparisons are often more meaningful than the numbers themselves and certainly provide us some insight that the numbers by themselves don't. For example, accounts receivable, there is from the accounts receivable number, we can uh, derive a ratio uh, uh, that tells us how fast we're getting paid or, uh, or we can look at uh, how fast we're turning over our inventory. 
And those numbers are important because, again, we can start to track them over time and demonstrate whether or not we're improving a process. So if you're trying to say, all right, I'm carrying uh, inventory for six months before I sell it, uh, then you make some changes in your business and you say, okay, I want to reduce that time. So I want to hold inventory for uh, no more than a quarter. Well, now I've got to cut my current inventory turnover in half. So I have to actually go from six months to three months. Um, and if you, uh, the only way you can tell if you're making progress on that is if you actually look at data. And so very important to be able to track the information uh, over time. And these ratios provide us more insight or a different insight into those numbers um, versus the numbers by themselves, which in many cases we also want to track. And uh, so for this week, uh, suggested action is uh, try to take a look at your own balance sheet and don't go don't go crazy analyzing it but let's at least take a look at it and look at the assets what are your assets how much cash do you have how much uh, accounts receivable do you have uh, look at the the amount of of money you owe in terms of how much you owe your vendors immediately how much debt do you have and, uh, and then look at your equity value. Look at that uh, number and look at the difference between the total assets versus minus the total liabilities. And what does that mean to you as a business owner? And, and just become familiar with the form itself. The, the balance sheet is a relatively short report. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, not, it's not terribly uh, time-consuming. But I would just get a copy of one, preferably one from your own business, even if you have to take last year's financial statements um, that you did for taxes, if that's the last time you have a current balance sheet. Um, that one will at least get you familiar with uh, what you have, uh, familiar with the form itself and the format. And uh, try to remember that there's, there's really only three things involved, assets, or what we own, liabilities, or what we owe, and then equity, what the value of the business is to us. And just, uh, just take a look at it. And what, I'm, what we're going to aim for here is next week we're going to talk about the income statement, and then the week following that we're going to go through the statement of cash flows. And those are the three basic statements uh, that, that we, we use in accounting and once we're through all of those, I'm going to do uh, another episode on ratios. And at that time, I'm, I'm going to um, have a downloadable worksheet that will allow you to put in the numbers from your financial statements, and it will calculate the ratios for you and even go through uh, uh and, and you can look in, and you'll see if there's one that you need to be concerned about or not. Um, it will be highlighted. So that'll be something that you can use. And the reason I'm not doing that now is because most of these ratios, or many of them, pull numbers from more than one financial statement. 
So they may need one number or two numbers from the balance sheet, but one number from the income statement. And so I didn't want to go through an exhaustive discussion of a specific ratio and be and, and then be talking about, oh, by the way, we're going to talk about the, the income statement now, but we, or I need this number from the income statement, but we haven't talked about it yet. So I didn't want to do that. So for this week, just get a copy of your balance sheet. Take a look at it. Look at what you own. Look at what you owe. And look at the, the equity, the value of the, uh, of the business after you take the assets minus the liabilities. And just get familiar with the form. In the tool of the trade section this week, I want to put a bug in your ear if you're not using uh, an accounting system, a formal accounting system, I would strongly suggest that you look into it. Um, it doesn't really matter what the size of your business is. Uh, there are very inexpensive options or uh, maybe economical would be uh, a, a better way to put it, but they're there are very good options out there, uh, and I've got five of them that that you can take a look at. Um, QuickBooks Online is, is obviously available. Zero, Wave, uh, Sage, and there's an, a company called Less Accounting. And I'll put the links to each of these products in the show notes. They're all uh, a little bit different from each other. They have different features, and so one may or may not work for your particular situation. And if you want to get better at at handling accounting and re- and looking at reporting, uh, one of the best ways to do it is to get on an accounting system that you have access to pretty regularly instead of, oh, I'm going to give all of this paperwork to my accountant and at the end of a quarter... And they're going to make sure that I I pay my uh, estimated taxes on time or whatever, um, you know. It's it's but then I'm not even going to look at at any of the financial statements. Uh, it's it. There's a lot of advantages to getting onto a system that you can see live data on, and say how is my business doing today, right now? How am I doing? Um, out of sight, out of mind is a very dangerous way to do accounting. So I, I want to talk a little bit about why I use QuickBooks. I do use QuickBooks online, and uh, that does not make it right for everybody. But I've, I, my first, the first reason I use it is because I've used it for years. So I'm used to the layout. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with the product. Uh, it's large and well-supported. Uh, they are uh, QuickBooks and Intuit have been making uh, accounting software for uh, at least a couple decades now. And so at least I think my first copy I bought in 19, uh, I want to say probably 91, uh, maybe 1992, but it was uh, a while ago now. And um, so they've been around a while. It's like I said, it's large and well supported. So if you have other services, um, it's very possible that they can interlink with, uh, especially the now that we have QuickBooks Online, um, there are APIs or uh, basically uh, standards for one software to talk to another software. So if you have a customer relationship manager, maybe it can talk to your 
to your accounting system and, and stuff like that. So uh, QuickBooks is well supported on that front. Um, the online version is supported across platforms. So if you remember last week, I was talking about cross-platform cross uh, technology. Uh, the online version of QuickBooks is cross-platform compatible. So that's a big advantage for me because I go uh, between my tablet, which is an iPad, my MacBook Pro, and uh, a Windows machine uh, with some regularity. So it's nice to have the ability to switch from one to the other without losing data or without having to put off an activity because I'm on the wrong platform. Um, it's relatively easy to use, uh, although they do rely uh, on um, basic accounting terminology. So you do have to be able to, um, you may have to Google what does this mean, uh, but uh, still relatively easy to use. Um, again, I'll say it's, you know, it's not necessarily the best for everyone, but I did want to give uh, a little bit of, of the uh, reasons why I made that choice. I have tried Xero. Uh, I've also tried, I did a trial of Wave. I did not actually start putting uh, real, real uh, accounting data into it. Um, I have not tried Sage. And I found less accounting when I was researching this uh, podcast episode, and uh, it looks kind of intriguing. I'm actually gonna gonna look into it a little bit further. But uh, in terms of, I think there's a recognition that in the in the marketplace that there are people who don't want to spend their lives uh, or or their time in their business doing accounting, and hopefully this isn't just a marketing. Uh, tactic to get us to buy a different accounting software, but rather a different approach to accounting that makes it more practical for non-accounting professionals to uh, be able to properly enter data and then be able to actually get results um, and reports that help them run their business better. So there's a little bit about accounting systems and, and a little bit about my experience with QuickBooks. Um, the reading room this week I, I want to keep in the in the uh, financial kind of uh, area and talk about the $100 startup by Chris Guillebeau. Uh This is a good uh, case study style book uh, that the author looked at uh, quite a few companies and came up with case studies for companies that were producing more than $50,000 in annual income and, and that also had a modest startup cost. And that, of course, is the title, you know, the $100 startup. Um, it doesn't mean, it's not a step-by-step, a, a -step, if you have $100 and you want to start up a $50,000 business, this is how you do it. But it does provide insight into how uh, small business owners have created valuable businesses with very low startup cost. And uh, kind of the takeaway is you can start a business without a bucket of cash and you can start a business without an MBA. And I think it's a really important um, uh, thing to remember that uh, we can run businesses off um, small amounts of money with good practices, but we don't need uh, an exceptional level of training in business to be successful. So last but not least, I wanted to talk a little bit about accounting in general. And uh, I think accounting is your ally, not your adversary. A lot of people, um, there's a, a negative connotation about 
the the profession of accounting. Uh, and some of the reasons we don't like accounting is uh, we uh, fear. Now, we may not want to really know the answer, which is probably the most dangerous uh, of all of these. Uh, we may not like accountability. So if we don't look at the numbers, we don't feel like we're uh, accountable for that little bit too expensive, uh, that that desk we bought that was a little too expensive, that we really didn't need to run our business. Uh, we may not really want that dose of reality. And we might have a misconception about the value of accounting. We think that accounting is a necessary evil or or something we have to do to to provide tax reports to the government. And those two things are true. We do have to provide uh, tax reports uh, and accounting is necessary. But I would, I would make the argument that it is not an evil. Uh, if we go back to earlier when I said what gets measured gets managed, if you don't know the numbers, you can't make adjustments to, to improve your business. And so if you look at what aspects of your business you want to improve, most of those things come with numbers. I want to have higher profit. I want to have uh, lower costs. I want to have more customers. I want each customer to buy more things, or, or uh, I want to have a higher average sale price. Um, every single one of those things is a number. So if we start to say, what, what of these things do we want to change? Many of them we can monitor simply through the standard reporting that we do when we do our normal accounting. If you become familiar with your accounting and look at the statements, and maybe um, when we're done with the uh, ratio analysis spreadsheet in a couple of weeks, you'll say, okay, I'm going to highlight these three ratios because they're important to me in 2017 or, or whatever the next year would be. And uh, I'm going to really pay attention to those. And here are the things I'm going to do to try and fix them. And so you're going to start, you're going to make some changes in your business. And then you have a system that is actually fairly easy to come to uh, maintain to allow you to monitor the progress from point zero when you started the project to the time when you think that you're going to be done. So if we say we want to improve profitability by 10% over uh, the next year, in January we're at time zero, we might want to check. Uh, monthly might be a little bit, uh, a, a monthly thing is not a trend, but if you start to look, okay, I want to take a, a snapshot uh, at the quarter and see what we're doing, or I want to take, and then I'm going to take another snapshot at the, at the uh, mid-year point, and, and then three quarters of the way through the year, I want to take a snapshot, and I want to look at those things and say, okay, what does the trend look like? Well, without data, you can't make that analysis, so you're just guessing. Well, it feels like we're doing better. Well, it feels like we're not doing better. Well, you don't really know, and you don't know by how much, and so if you're making a modest improvement, but it isn't meeting your goal, maybe what you're doing is, is in the right uh, direction, but maybe you're not doing it enough, or maybe you have to tweak some piece of it to get that, uh, let's say you're at 5% growth in profitability and you really wanted 10, um, you need to say, okay, well, 
I've done these two things. Maybe I could add this third thing and see if I could if that would help. Okay, so what gets measured gets managed, and and I can't stress it enough. You uh, looking at the data will help you run your business better, and help you improve your business more effectively. Reason number two to uh, embrace accounting is because if you're like many small business owners, your competitor isn't embracing their accounting. And so by looking at, at the numbers and getting a clear picture of how your business is actually performing, you may find a competitive edge over a competitor in your industry that doesn't pay attention to those things, that isn't looking at their accounting, isn't looking at their numbers. One other uh, point when it comes to accounting, um, it's like the it's like uh, oftentimes going to the doctor, and when people get into that situation, we assume the expertise of the provider, and we don't want to uh, sound ignorant or we're intimidated by the situation, and we don't ask questions. And I would encourage you if you don't understand something. Go ahead and ask questions. If, a, if an accountant says something and you're not clear on what it means or where it came from or why it matters to your business, ask them. Say, I don't, I, you know, you were talking about this particular thing and I don't, I don't really understand. Uh, can you clarify that for me? And uh, have them explain it and, and understand what that accounting statement means to your business. That's what you're paying them for. You're paying them for that expertise, not just to fill out the forms and and uh, hand you three reports that you don't look at. So, uh, you know, first of all, we're going to start looking at those forms uh, or those reports. But second of all, we need to understand them uh, in the way that helps us run our business. The last thing I guess I want to mention when it comes to uh, the, uh, the numbers is to resist the temptation to rationalize performance. Um, if the numbers don't look good, it's probably an indication that things are not going as well as they should be or could be for your business. And rather than rationalize it away, well, the numbers don't show this, or the numbers don't understand this, or, um, take in the data and review what can be done to improve it, either with your team, with a business coach, with both, but resist that temptation to rationalize the performance. It's very important to take the numbers as what they are and say, okay, my profitability is not what I want it to be. How do I improve? My revenue is not what I want it to be. How do I improve? So the bottom line is accounting and the balance sheet in particular are your friend and ally. Um, and accounting can be your secret weapon in operating and growing your successful business. So get a copy of your balance sheet and uh, start going through it and just get familiar with the terms and the numbers that you're seeing on there. And as the weeks progress in the next few weeks, we'll be going through the rest of the financial statements. And then finally, as I said, we'll wrap it up with... Uh, uh, ratio analysis worksheet uh, in uh, mid-December and maybe late December, maybe just in time for, for uh, implementation in, in 2017 here. And let's roll up our sleeves and get to work.